Welcome to episode four of When Life Gives You Lemons, Go Vegan. This is a podcast that seeks to celebrate and share people's incredible stories of recovery after making the transition to a low-fat, whole-food vegan lifestyle. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and my life was personally transformed beyond recognition after adopting this way of living when I reached breaking point in 2008 after I was left numb from the waist down with multiple sclerosis. At the time, I was obese, living with chronic pain from fibromyalgia, and my symptoms had progressively worsened since my diagnosis in 2004. After adopting this way of eating, I lost over 35 kilograms and am now living pain and symptom-free for the last nine years. I am incredibly passionate about supporting other people to follow this lifestyle, to adopt a low-fat, whole-food, vegan diet, and to see for themselves that food truly can be medicine. In 2004, I thought there was no hope left for me. The aim of this podcast is to spread a new message of hope to all those people that might think there is none, because there is. This week's episode is with Drs. Alphonse and Helene Rocks, members of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, who discovered the science behind eating a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet for themselves and then completely changed their lives to focus on spreading this message across the globe. So I hope you enjoy episode four. Okay, thank you so much for agreeing. And it was lovely chatting to you the other day and hearing all about you. But we'll hear about it again. And I won't be so excitable because I'll have heard it. I'll have heard it. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's, that's also has also its own charm. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Thank you. And passion are positive characteristics, I would think. I hope so. I'm very excited and enthusiastic. (laughs) I just love hearing everyone's stories about how their health's changed with a plant-based diet. I think it's just such an important message to share as wide as possible. Yeah, yeah. We couldn't agree more. That's that's been our mission for the last seven years now. Mm. Yeah. So we'll just start with introducing yourselves one at a time. Well, I am Helene, Helene Brooks, and I'm originally from the Netherlands. And in 2000, uh, we moved with the whole family, so with three children, to Australia. And in 2010, I came across the fact that plant-based nutrition is really good for your health. And having the background as a medical doctor, a pediatrician, that was very interesting to read and to learn more about. The reason I found out was that I came across the story of Bill Clinton back then, that he had heart disease and in the end he went on a plant-based diet and CNN was interviewing two doctors. One was his doctor, Dean Ornish, and the other doctor was Colville Esselstyn. And I listened to that interview and I was blown away with the information presented there. And I started researching these people. And through these people, I got to know other plant-based doctors, Neil Barnard and John McDougall and many others. Once we saw a little bit of the science, we were convinced. And as they say, almost overnight, we changed our diets. My background is in in medicine. I'm trained in the Netherlands as a pediatrician, but I'm not practicing anymore for years, not uh, not anymore. I wasn't uh, ever registered here in Australia. And uh, I've done a lot in teaching 
voluntary work, but also in high school being a, an, uh, a one-on-one tutor for about 13 years. But now I'm fully uh, dedicated to plant-based nutrition and I have been doing some extra education in that field, a course at eCornell in plant-based nutrition. And I'm also a Food for Life instructor with PCRM, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine in Washington, D.C. And in that capacity, I do five-week courses for uh, people who want to know more about plant-based nutrition, its benefits. It includes cooking demonstrations with tastings, so they can also see the how, and also they can experience that it really tastes nice and, and delicious. Fantastic. And you, Alphonse? Well, Corinne, thank you for inviting us to come on, the, to, on your podcast. It's really an honor for us. My name is Alphonse Rooks. Also born in the Netherlands, had my training there, did my PhD there. So at the moment, I'm working both as an obstetrician gynecologist in one of the big teaching hospitals in Adelaide, and I also work for the University of Adelaide as a senior lecturer. So I involve especially year five medical students in the last part of their training when they come to our hospital and give lectures. And for me, as a doctor, we serve an underprivileged community in, in Elizabeth in Adelaide. And on a daily basis, I see the disasters, the the chronic illnesses, the overweight women. Sometimes women, they weigh 200 kilos, they're pregnant. And they have already, uh, for instance, they develop gestational diabetes, which will not only affect the short-term outcomes of their pregnancy, but also affects their offspring already. And what you realize as well, health is very important to us. And you take it for granted when you're healthy. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, when you're healthy... You have probably 100 desires. But when you're sick, even if you have the flu or your knee hurts, you have only one desire. Please let this flu go away. Let the knee uh, go away. And so we have a lot of people, if you look at the global scale, pandemic in the whole world of people being overweight and obese. There's a pandemic in the whole world as a consequence of people developing type 2 diabetes. And the human suffering and misery is unbelievable. And I personally feel, with a lot of respect, as doctors, we did not know how to tackle this problem, but by prescribing drugs or offering procedures. That's how we were trained. And that's how current medicine works. Let's be honest, if your leg is broken, you need a doctor to fix it for you. Mm -hmm. But what we also notice in our community, there is still the belief that when you're 42 or 43, that's okay to have a heart infarct, or that a friend of you drops dead and says, well, too bad. We now know that cardiovascular disease is the killer number one in the world, in the Western world, and the vast majority of those people suffer from a foodborne illness. And so that's why we are, Helena, are so passionate about this topic, informing the, the public, but informing doctors to come on board and to incorporate prevention next to what we usually use, traditionally use, pills and procedures. So that's our mission and our passion for the years to come, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> You're afraid. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful passion. Because more doctors, I know for me with my MS, the doctors who helped me were both doctors who'd experienced MS in their lives firsthand. More and more doctors need to have those conditions and those experiences and have those transformations themselves yeah. so they can believe it. 
And you, yeah. you, you, you have access to understanding science better than the everyday person. And so when those illnesses happen to you, you can access the research in a way that the everyday person can't understand it. Yeah. A lot of people, if you open a, a, a magazine or you listen to the radio, almost every day there is some news about health and nutrition. And people in general, as a result, are confused. And what do you do when you're confused? You stick to what your mom told you at home, because most of us love our mothers and our grandmothers. Mm. So you stick to what your stable was back home. And so what we try to go is through that cultural barrier of this is what I believe or I trust is okay and healthy for me. And this is the evidence. And that's our angle. We look at the evidence in the research. We look at the knowledge. And based on the knowledge, we came to the conclusion without having any vested interest, Corinne. Mm. The conclusion is on the 23rd of August 2017, the healthier diet on the planet is whole food plant based. And if it's different, we will let you know. <laughs> yeah, I love your message. I love what you're doing because I think, as I said, I think that it's just so important. I can have all of the recovery I've had from my multiple sclerosis, but people still think you're just one little one in the miracle. Maybe you were just going to be fine. But hearing yeah. from doctors like yourselves, it gives it more credibility, this message. It gives it so much more credibility and people listen to doctors. Of course, if you look at it scientifically, I am. one case report, of course, does yeah. not tell that much. But no. you're not the only one. You know, yeah. I know. Yeah. And, uh, and you're not the only one with an autoimmune disease. And you're not the only one with a chronic disease. And that is what drives me. If I look at the suffering of people with a chronic disease, whatever that might be, whether that is mild or severe, and they don't know about this option, I feel really sad and I feel really sorry for them. And that's, that's what drives me. I want people to know what they do with it. Mm-hmm. It's up to them. Yes. You know? Now they know and they have a choice. But I didn't know up until seven years ago. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't make it. I could not make a choice. Then I learned and made a choice. But there are many people that that know the information and they make the choice. I keep doing what I do. Well, you know, that's fine. But then you have made an informed decision. Yeah. Mm. I'd like to add something, maybe um, two comments. Uh, When you're young and you're healthy, you can insult your body for many years. When you smoke heavily, or you drink alcohol, for many years your body is able to cope with that. The same with nutrition. But I regard nutrition or food, I think most people eat food, it's a slow killer on the long run. It bites you after 30, 40 years. So this message should not only come across for people like yourselves who mm. are struck by a chronic condition, mm. but also for people who are young. And if you make a healthy choice now, you will benefit in the future. Mm-hmm. We have now recently a person in the Netherlands, because Elaine will and I will go on a speaking tour in the, the Netherlands and the Belgium in the October. And one of the people we invite to come to our seminar is a former patient. A beautiful story. He was diagnosed with severe rheumatoid arthritis and it was crippling. He describes the pain in his joint as like shattered glass. He couldn't move anymore. And eventually, when he met with his lovely rheumatologist, the rheumatologist gave him a script, not for one, not for two, not for three, but for four different drugs. 
So this person then thought, oh my goodness, well, doctor, for how long do I have to take these drugs? Well, for the rest of your life. So this young man, I see some body language of acknowledgement and <laughs> recognition. recognition. He thought, oh my goodness, that feels like a death sentence. A long story short, he Googled and he found information. He came across among these doctors and now he will tell the story in October. He is not taking any drugs. He cured himself completely with a very strict diet initially, and now he has more options. So not only he cured himself, but let's say these four drugs, if you list all the side effects after 10 or 20 years, that's mind-boggling. So we have seen many examples. And for this particular patient, we have the medical information from him in front of us. So it's not only to say, I feel better, you can see the inflammatory markers going down. Let's say he, had, he was like a house on fire, and now it cooled down completely. So that's why we see the evidence not only based on cases like yourself or that other uh, patient from us in the Netherlands. We see it very often, and that's why to us it's, it's very compelling. Do you know who he followed? He followed Clint Pedersen. Do you know Clint Pedersen? No. no. Not yet? No, not yet. Today I do. Now not I do. Yet. Clint Pedersen, originally from Sydney, but he just moved to the U.S., but he is on a regular basis back here. He had that same story, basically, as this Dutch fellow. And he was also maybe 30 years old when he got his uh, problems with rheumatoid arthritis mm-hmm. and excruciating. And through a long searching uh, path, he found Dr. John McDougall. And then he tweaked, uh, I think also by researching others, I don't know exactly the story, he tweaked that a little bit as well, the elimination diet that uh, John McDougall is uh, applying. And he now has the Pedersen program and uh, he's helping people. And I think he's also working on trying to publish that, you know, um, Mm. with someone else because all over the world, people are lining up. To, to do his program there is a whole support group so he runs the support group and this dutch uh, young man found the Pedersen program and he uh, he followed that and then clint Pedersen is interviewing uh, a lot of his patients also doctors he had uh, john mcdougall on and uh, uh, dr klepper i think and yeah but also patients and this um, patient was also on the Pedersen program so that's it's a podcast, but also videoed. So then the video is also shown. I was going to ask Alphonse, how did you feel when Helene discovered a plant-based diet? Were you initially a bit skeptical or were you, did you jump straight on board? After being a gynecologist for so many years, no. Typically men don't follow their wives because men are still convinced that you need meat because beef and meat is muscular, is testosterone driven, is, is, makes you strong. No, no, we had no debate about it. I said, Helene, I looked at the literature, I looked yeah. at some beautiful randomized clinical trials. Dean Orne showed that you can reverse coronary artery narrowing after one and five years on a plant-based diet. Well, that is unique. So for me, Helene, yeah. I followed straight away. So 
in this regard, I was an extremely obedient husband. No, but it was based on science. It was based on science. Otherwise, I wouldn't have no. yeah. followed this. I'm not someone yeah. who follows a guru. Yeah, yeah. I just want to see the signs. And that was so convincing. And yeah. I said, okay, look at this. You know, what do we do? And we were not overweight, no chronic illness, late 50s. No medication, so no. there was no incentive yeah. from that angle. Yeah. But just the knowledge, you know, you can't ignore it. Once you see it, you cannot unsee it anymore. When you were first starting out, because a lot of people think, oh gosh, what do you eat then? <laughs> like one of the things they get asked all the time. When you were first starting, what were the things that were the hardest for you when you were transitioning? Yeah, it's interesting because if you would ask me, by the way, we do not refer to ourselves as vegan because that has another connotation, but I would think vegan, that's a pot-smoking hippie stuck in the 60s, <laughs> by the way, not, nothing wrong with the 60s, smoking marijuana and wearing sandals and having a long beard, and that food <laughs> must be boring like cardboard or newspaper. Or you only eat less, you yeah. know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. No, I think initially... It's just for a few weeks, you um, have to reset your palates, your palate setting, your taste buds. Mm. But if you have convincing evidence that it is healthier, you get used to it very quickly. So I think, and initially, Helene, it was also cooking. Helene is an excellent cook, uh, but to regain your confidence and your creativity, that took a few weeks. So initially, mm. Helene had cookbooks, had an iPad next to her uh, stove and, uh, yeah, found recipes and very gradually... We now back on, yeah, it's business as usual for us. But the transition was, yeah, was a bit of a challenge. Yeah, that's in, in the beginning, I was maybe even a little nervous during the day. What, I, what, what am I going to do tonight, you know? <laughs> and it's more, you feel like, okay, now I have to leave the meat out. But no idea what to then add in. <laughs> yeah, so there's all, all of a sudden that empty spot on your plate, that idea. <laughs> So what do I do now? The vacancy, yeah. Yeah, what do I do now? And so in, indeed, you also start to look at these fake products like uh, soy burgers or, you know, that kind of thing. And I think as a transition food, if that's the way it will help you to transition, fine. Mm. But it should be looked at as a transition food because it's not 100% healthy food. Uh, it's usually high in oil, in fats, in salt, sugar. So, yeah, it's high processed. But th I think that's also a way of coping. But in the beginning, I found it uh, a challenge and even a little bit nerve-wracking. But that changes quite quickly. Mm. And, uh, and, and then you come to the point. In the beginning, I had to work from recipes. And now it's just you look as as what you did before, you, you just look in the fridge and the pantry and you just make something. Okay, so what would be your favorite meals now? For people who think you can't have anything delicious, what would be your favorite foods that you eat now? The, the basis of a whole food plant-based diet is that you eat enough complex carbohydrates. That's for your energy. Our bodies are made to burn glucose, sugar, glucose. And that comes from complex carbohydrates, so long chains of lots of glucose molecules. And they are gradually being broken down in our guts. And then they come into the bloodstream and into your cells. Well, that's our preferred fuel. And one of the big mistakes is that people in the beginning, they 
don't eat enough in volume and they don't eat enough of the complex carbohydrates. So starches. And if you say starch, in this day and age, people go like, oh, and it makes you fat and it's not healthy. We have to reset that idea. But that's where your energy comes from. So the potatoes, the sweet potatoes, corn, grains, beans. So you have to eat them and you have to eat enough of them. So If not, you feel hungry. Yeah, hungry, weak. People complain that they feel weak and tired. And, and there's just not enough calories and not enough sustainable calories. Because you can eat a lot of veggies, as in zucchini or the capsicum or the Tomatoes. cauliflower, that kind of thing. And, and your tummy can be full. But that is gone, you know, after an hour or so or, or two hours and then you feel hungry again. But if I have in the morning, for instance, oatmeal, rolled oats, that will sustain me at least for four hours mm. till lunchtime mm. uh, before I need to eat again. So that's the difference, you know, whether you get hungry after an hour already or after so many hours. So one of the messages usually be aware you have to eat probably more than you used to in volume so no portion control and no calorie counting and if you feel hungry eat and eat the good stuff when yeah. i would like to make an addition to underpin what elaine states because Please. people sometimes they look at oh, what did we eat when we were cavemen found it a very interesting uh, theoretical exercise but as an obstetrician i can tell you The primary fuel of the baby in the womb is glucose. The glucose of the mother is transported, is facilitated through the placenta and goes directly to the fetus. So maternal blood sugar levels fluctuate, the baby follows weak. Only if the mother is sick, for instance, if she has excessive vomiting, nausea vomiting in early pregnancy, or if um, there's another situation, the secondary fuel, the reserve fuel, is uh, that you burn fat. So the model I see on a daily basis, what Mother Nature invented for us, is primary fuel is glucose, and this contrary to the people who try to explain the low carb diets. Again, this is maybe an, so this is maybe circumstantial evidence, but we know also from good studies on the long run, you're not promoting your cardiovascular health. On a low-carb diet, and especially if you restrict your calories, you can lose weight. We are primarily not interested in losing weight. We are interested in giving people advice so they will go to a healthy lifestyle and hence, as a pleasant side effect, they will go to normal weight. So primary fuel for humans is glucose, and to me that's very evident from, from Mother Nature but also from the research. Mm. Keto keto diets are all yeah, the rage, and, diet. and yeah. you see people putting butter in their coffee and putting butter on this big bacon and an egg, bacon and egg butter bowl of thing that they're eating. And what do you think about the longevity? Is that, is that probably just the Atkins diet rebranded? Yeah. Really, but the diet we had. Dr. Atkins, an American cardiologist who um, promoted the diet named after him, uh, and by the way, tragically enough, he did not practice what he preached because he died himself from cardiac failure, he was very overweight. Well, so, he practiced what he preached. Yeah, but let's say uh, if this was a healthy diet, yeah, then he yeah. should have not died from cardiovascular Okay, but, but he, he, he followed his diet. Yeah, yeah, but the evidence was, he was the evidence to the contrary. Yeah. So Atkins... Uh, then it came back, the new Atkins. We have seen over time, and paleo and low-carb, 
Those are the variations of a theme and what people actually would like to hear that you can eat the, the fat, the high fat, the high sugar stuff, and they want to hear that's healthy. Well, if you look at the evidence, that's, you can't combine the two. When you look at the evidence, you cannot advocate for low carb or ketogenic diet or high fat diet or sugary diet. But still, maybe. Well, yeah, they don't do the sugary diet, of no, course. No. But we can also look at it from a different angle. Well, I think their concept, the basis, is not a, a, a good starting point, saying that we should cut out all these uh, carbohydrates, whatever they are, but, and they mix up the refined carbohydrate with the complex one. Mm. So they put them all in one basket. Mm. And uh, on a whole food plant-based diet, we are not talking about eating table sugar, we are not talking about having a lot of white flour products, we are not talking about, you know, um, cakes and, and, and that kind of, even if they are plant-based. So it's about whole foods. And, and that means that you are only eating complex carbohydrates, so the long chain carbohydrates, not the simple carbohydrates that indeed do spike your uh, blood glucose and are just not healthy. And that part we agree on. They don't want those junk foods either. Yeah. That's why you can see also that they usually improve in, the health. Uh, in health because mm. they cut out junk food mm. and the real paleos cut out dairy. That makes a huge difference also for your health. Mm. So there are a few points that we really can agree on. Yeah. They are also promoting eating enough vegetables, although they promote only the non-starchy vegetables. And then some fruit, not that much fruit. So that's also a good thing. Where we disagree on is that you could eat very high in fats, up to 40, 60% even of your total intake of calories coming from fats. Mm -hmm. And then uh, usually that means quite high uh, percentage of animal protein. And from animal protein and also animal fats, is so much science there that is so unhealthy for your heart. For some cancers, risk factor. Yeah, yeah, for diabetes, even mm. animal protein in itself is a risk factor for type two diabetes. So, yeah, why do type two diabetes patients do better on a paleo diet? Because the intake of carbohydrates, glucose, in the end, is so low that you know, wonder that you don't get a high blood glucose. Mm. You know, mm. but. You put the body in stress, in a stress situation, to let it burn ketones all the time because we only do that when we are in stress, when there is not enough food. That's the way we survived over all these million and millions of years. That's why we are here because our forefathers were, and we still are uh, able to live off ketone uh, bodies. And a lot of other mammals can't, so they can't fast. We can. Yeah. Uh, but that is only in a, in, a, uh, in a situation of stress, you know, a shortage of uh, nutrition. But these things are all mixed up. Oh, look at this. I'm doing paleo and my diabetes is going so well. Yeah, for now, I do understand. But we don't know what's, what is going on in your body in regard to atherosclerosis. What is going on in maybe cancer-promoting uh, processes in your body? Autoimmune diseases, and then if you look at a whole food plant-based diet, it just addresses all these illnesses. Mm. Mm.
So just wanted to ask what your diet was like before you made the transition just for people to they might think well maybe they ate pretty much a plant-based diet beforehand so it was easy for them so what was your diet like before the typical staple in the Netherlands is um, the main meal is um, potatoes vegetables and meat and good meatball sausages that would be the typical dutch main dish Elaine, I think, was always aware of uh, healthy food. So if we ate, we would eat um, fatty fish like salmon. Meat was always uh, tried to buy meat, uh, lean meat. Later on in Adelaide, we have known and bought some organic meat. But we still enjoyed sausages. And it's interesting. We now know that sausages causes cancer in human beings. So I still remember this. You had spicy Hungarian sausage in the Netherlands or whatever, and I thought, yes. they, they tasted beautifully. Mm. But now I, th- I know better. And uh, so, no, we were not vegetarians or vegans, not at all. We were omnivores, mm. but very mindful of uh, the health effects and try to be within that palate, try to pick the healthy food. Yeah, not so much. We didn't eat that much junk food. Of course, uh, McDonald's are takeaway type of food now and then or if you would be somewhere and have some french fries you didn't you know think really you, you knew that it was not the healthiest food but you know what is funny and that's what i hear a lot but that's what i was like as well you think but i'm for the rest i'm eating healthfully you know my breakfast usually my lunch and dinner but then all these uh, exceptions you have mm. What do you do in between? If I would go somewhere with a friend and you have a piece of cheesecake, it was normal. You didn't think I shouldn't be having that. The only re- reason would be maybe, oh, it's not good for my weight, but because that was not all really an issue for me. But I would not do that on a daily basis. I would not go overboard. So if you compare to maybe other people, that would be rather healthy. But... I would still include some junk food and and that kind of thing. Close to it that we changed, I was more and more, one or the other way, not really liking to prepare meat. And I once, and I I didn't always have red meat, but I thought I should include it for iron and other things, just not being educated. So I thought I need that. Mm. And I never, never liked uh, milk. But love cheese because the Netherlands is a cheese country mm. and yogurt. So and I thought, oh, that's healthy for you. calcium. But then learning all the the facts, uh, then it was not it was not really hard to stop it. Uh, of course, in the beginning you think, oh, I've, I've, what do I do? put on my sandwich? I would love cheese now, but you know that's just a three weeks, four weeks, and it's gone. It's mm. just, it just goes, it goes away. Mm. And uh, now you can put all the cheeses you like in front of me and I won't eat from it because it doesn't really appeal. It's not a sacrifice. No, it doesn't appeal to me anymore. No. And then the knowledge that's not healthy. No, why would you? Mm-hmm. What do you think about getting omega-3 from plants? A lot of people say you can only really get the right omega-3s from fish oils. What do you both think about yeah. that? A big study done in Adelaide showed that omega-3 supplementation, we always thought omega-3 is important for the brain development of children, but a big trial done for more than seven years showed there was no difference in neurodevelopment for the children at, I think, the age of seven. Omega-3 is important, but 
if you take it from fatty fish or fish oil, fish oil, by the way, fish oil is like a supplement and it's being advertised as promoting cardiovascular health in studies. It doesn't come, that's not being confirmed. But omega-3, you could say your source is fatty fish, but also linseed, uh, flaxseed meal is a great source. It's plant-based and the fish has the problem of being polluted with heavy metals. So that's why we do not eat fish anymore as a source of omega-3. So we go for plant-based alternatives. So we have flaxseed meal and... Uh, well, you find it in walnuts yeah. uh, in quite a substantial amount. And then basically in, in, in plants, so leafy greens, yeah. and but also other plant-based uh, or other vegetables. Uh, the thing is, where you were um, um, hinting on is, the, um, the so omega-3 and also omega-6 are the essential fatty acids. Mm. That means, essential means like a vitamin, we have to source it from outside, we can't make it ourselves. Mm -hmm. Omega-6 is not a problem, it's everywhere. Mm. Omega-3 is then, may, could be a problem maybe, because uh, in the plant kingdom, we only find the short chain, uh, it's not elongated yet. The elongated ones you find in animals because they don't make it themselves. They eat the short chain as well and their bodies elongated into DHA and EPA, uh, the long chain omega-3 fatty acids. So basically we can do that as well. Now there are some voices in say, yeah, we are not that efficient and that kind of thing. There are a few things at play. First of all, if we always have been eating those elongated ones, then, yeah, maybe our system is not really in tune anymore mm. in doing the elongation ourselves. That's mm. one. The other thing is the omega-6 and the omega-3 are competing for the same enzymes at a certain level in the transition to the longer chain ones. And omega-6 always wins. So, if you have a lot of omega-6, which mm. we usually have, yeah. and which yeah. you get, for instance, by eating oils and that kind of thing, mm. and animal products, you get a lot of omega-6, then even if you get enough into the body, you know, in your mouth, omega-3, omega you might not absorb or elongate enough omega-3 because you've got so much 6. Ah. So, the whole balance between 6 and 3 is out of whack in our uh, today's society. It's a typical time. Yeah, it, ideally it should be one-on-one. -on -one. Well, that's hard to do nowadays. But they say four, omega-6, four to one, omega-3, is still a good ratio. Normally the omnivores, they will have about 12 to one, 18 to one. Yeah, yeah. yeah? So, and then you get a problem, even though you might have access to enough then you don't elongate it. So uh, it's important not to have the oils because it's processed food and it is uh, way too high. It's 100% fat and it has been proven also to have not a healthy effect on our arteries and also the, uh, the level of omega-6 to omega-3s. A lot of oils don't even have omega-3s. So then we would say it's healthy to have it through plants, have some flaxseed meal, have a, a walnut here and there and eat your leafy greens and your vegetables and you should be okay.
there's a lot of science behind it and a lot of misunderstanding. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's something why I thought I'd ask because it's one of the one of the things that people talk about a lot is omega threes. Obviously, B twelve, iron, protein. That's what a tendency we see more often. There, you take one nutrient or one vitamin, and you focus on that, and you get debates for hours. You have to zoom out and look at the bigger picture, and the bigger picture is crystal clear to us. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes people find a little detail which might be imperfect in a plant-based diet. For instance, if you need to supplement vitamin B12, that's not meant to be, so it cannot be healthy. Well, this is an argument mm -hmm. which is a, some sort of false argument. Well, or do you want to go back to drink from the streams and pick up cholera? Well, then you have vitamin B12 from the soil. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Okay, well, the last question I have would just be your three biggest tips, like the things if people were, are like, I really want to try, but it seems really tricky. What would be like three things that you both, you both can think of that you think would make it a bit easier for people who are listening and who want to give it a shot, but just are a bit unsure? I think the first step is your, your motive, your motivation. If you have a strong motivation and you really, if you think about what contributes to happiness on Mother Earth is health. If you're healthy and you're not, and health is also in the, in the, not only physical, but also spiritual and, and mental health. If you're healthy, yeah, you and you have good friends and friendships, then those are the main ingredients to be healthy and happy. So if you realize that what you put in your mouth many times a day can have a big impact after many years on your health, you only have to look at friends who suffer from type 2 diabetes or multiple sclerosis. What does it mean? What impact does it have? So the motivation, if that motivation is strong, the next step, you are prepared to make the change. And now there are many resources, much more than five, six, seven years ago, which can help you in the transition. But it's the first question, are you really prepared to make a step in, the, in an improvement? When she says people that are thinking about it, they don't have that motivation, obviously. Otherwise, you wouldn't have that problem. You know, you would do it. So if people are a little bit hanging in the balance, well, shall I do it? Shall I not do it? What is then the advice? I would say at this point in time, for instance, there is uh, at PCRM a 21-day kickstart program online, all for free. Every month it starts, every first of the month it starts. It's very entertaining, lots of easy recipes, uh, lots of support, celebrities that come into play as well and talk about uh, healthy eating. So, uh, and you can do it many times. So you do it three weeks and then you think, yeah, I'm not sure after six weeks you do it again, you know? So it's all for free, it's all online. You get emails, videos, so that would be a really good facilitator. Yeah, facilitator to do it. Also, if we talk here in Australia, for instance, we've got that uh, whole food plant-based Aussie Facebook group. So find a support group like that. You could go to the. We also have smaller groups in every big city: the plant-powered Melbourne, plant-powered Adelaide, plant-powered Sydney. Smaller groups. So if you Go to these groups where they give you the right information about healthy nutrition. Not 
any vegan group because they really indulge often also in these beautiful cakes and things, which is nice. And maybe as a one-off now and then, not really a problem, but yeah, no, not if you want to transition. And it's good to know that you can prevent diseases in the future. But you know what? what is the fact with people? They might stick to something out of fear for a while. You know, you've had a health scare and you think, oh, I should, you know, eat more healthfully and that kind of thing. That, that weans off, goes away. But why not say, try it for three weeks, like that 21 day, and then people start to feel better because that goes really, really quickly. They feel more fit, um, more energy, and some people with some problems, sometimes they've got some aches and pains or headaches or you name it, they say, oh, all of a sudden that goes a lot better. Well, that's a motivator. People will stick to the plan when that happens, more than fear. Another option, Corinne, is in November, Helene has organized together with Lucy, Dr. Klepper, plant-based doctor who has been working in this area for more than 25 years, I think, from California. He's coming over to Australia on a speaking tour, so he will be speaking in all the major cities. And by the way, Helene and I will also give a speech. We do our presentation. presentation together. And what is also good, we offer opportunities from people, you could say to hear it from the house, horse's mouth, but also there's Q&A options. So if people have questions, uh, their fear, there's a lot of fear about, oh, what about my calcium? What about my iron? What about my protein deficiency? And all these myths, we gladly will do some, what do you call it, myth-busting. Myth <laughs> It's nice when you have resources online, mm. but sometimes if you need people and you can mingle, that mm. can sometimes make yeah. the breakthrough for people. Yes. Mm. So when was that again? What were the dates? Have a look at Raw Events Australia, and I think it's a .com.au. But on Facebook, if you go to Raw Events Australia on Facebook, Mm-hmm. Then you should see the Dr. Klepper tour and then you will find the dates. But I think it starts around um, the 15th or the 12th or so of November, uh, Canberra, Sydney. And I don't even know the order if it's then Adelaide. I know the 16th is Adelaide. Yeah. And then we have Melbourne and he goes to Auckland as well. And the 8th of October we will speak in the Netherlands. And on the 3rd we will go to Antwerp in Belgium. And that will be in, we try to do it in English, huh? not in Flemish, no. No, it's in Dutch. It's oh, yeah? In Dutch. yeah, you yeah. think so? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That's a, that's okay. a Dutch-speaking area yeah. of Belgium, yeah. Oh, wow. Do you have any other events coming up or anything else, anything else that people who are yeah. listening might vegan. be able to come along to? The Vegan, the vegan one Festival, the, in, vegan Adelaide. festival in Adelaide. 28th of uh, October. Yeah, we will be speaking and I will do a cooking demonstration. It's Saturday the 28th, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And the people in Adelaide should know that I run five-week courses called Food for Life. At the moment, I'm in the midst of one, ending uh, at, uh, at the beginning of September. And the last one of this year will be starting the 6th of November. And then five weeks... Uh, one night per week for two hours they get nutrition education but also cooking demonstration and tasting 
But if I land with the cooking demonstrations, you see about 20 people around, mm-hmm. uh, and Helene puts, you know, how she actually starts cooking onions and garlic without oil, without butter, and just with a little bit of hot water, and you see them looking mm-hmm. big, <laughs> open eyes. What is happening here? And it doesn't, and it tastes great. So that's the transition that you can cook uh, healthfully without oil, without butter, etc., etc. And that's a major breakthrough in your. Yeah, I think how you preconceived yeah. cooking. Yeah, yeah they think it must be difficult, and it must be boring, and it must not taste really well. And and this is not only a diet where we don't use oil, but we try to limit or to exclude also salt, added salt and added sugar. Mm. And just with some spices and herbs, and it's really nice. And these recipes from uh, PCRM are very easy, simple, and, and they taste Delicious people are every every course they say wow you know this is so nice mm. so oh it's so good that's wonderful to hear I would love it. I've loved talking to you both it's been really nice uh, I don't have any questions do you have any questions for me no well good luck I think it was fantastic that you as a I could say a former patient uh, have, have first hand experience because that's something we cannot add luckily enough and it's wonderful they cooperate that's why when we present we always want to have a credible patient with his or her story and we have seen always that it brings the audience sometimes to tears it's very emotional Mm. that you hear the story of suffering and struggling because you can talk about it but if a person tells you who had a heart transplant or had a myocardial infarct who needs to be resuscitated the story that this person is now fit and healthy and yeah that is something that's in the dimension we should never underestimate and that's why uh, yeah what you do uh, we admire you for that and, and it's beautiful thanks mm. you're welcome thank you so much for talking to me and i hope one day i can meet you in the city and we can eat salads together <laughs> exactly exactly yeah that should happen and it will happen it will happen and are you maybe a member of the plant powered melbourne no i know well, i am now i just saw it to put, i put a little note here because i didn't even know about it so i'll join yeah they do meet up once a month sometimes two months and the one who is running it in melbourne is jenny cameron who is also the one who founded um plant-based Aussie group and you are ah yeah 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 I'm part of that group so that one has grown in just two three years to five six thousand people so that's that took off like you know amazing I know amazing and so at the moment they have now I think already four admins running that group and one of them is Emma Roche and Emma Roche is an uh, originally from Canberra she lives in Antwerp in Belgium and with her, I'm organizing that Antwerp speaking uh, night. But she will also be part of one of the nights we have, or one of the, it's a half day uh, we have in uh, in the Netherlands. And she is from plantplate.com, okay. a website, plantplate.com, with beautiful recipes, 100% compliant. And she has written two PDFs, uh, cookbooks that you can by download and with recipes for uh, in american dollars like uh, uh, under five dollars or up to five dollars uh, a meal and oh, uh, yeah five dollars a day or so she calls it 
You can just download it. It's not, not expensive. And Dr. John McDougall in the United States, uh, she, he mentions her now on his uh, website. So he, he endorses what she's doing as a good resource for recipes. For oh, instance. perfect. Thank you so much, Alphonse and Helene, for taking the time to speak with me today. If you'd like to hear more from Alphonse and Helene, you can purchase tickets to hear them speak at the What the Health Symposium with Dr. Michael Clapper on November 19th in Melbourne. For tickets to this event, see the link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. Next week, we have on the podcast Tony and Elizabeth. They're sharing their experience with a low-fat, whole-food vegan diet and how it has drastically improved their health and that of their young daughter who was living with Crohn's disease. It's not to be missed. Thank you so much. See you next week.